0: Hey, good morning everybody. It's good to see you this morning. What a great crowd. What a wonderful crowd. Thank you for being here this morning. We're glad that uh, you're here at Faith Community Church and we just trust that God is going to do some very special things in your life. I really mean that. I, I just mean that with all of my heart that uh, we, we approach these services knowing that uh, there are people that are going to be in church this morning that for whatever reason, they need to hear from God, and they need God to work in their life, and they're looking for hope. We believe that this is a service that is going to bring exactly that into your life, hope and encouragement and strength. And, and so we're very glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, there is uh, probably a little card right in front of you. It's called, we call it a connection card. We'd love to have you fill that out, and we're going to you know be getting a note from us this week. And on the back also is a place where you can put some prayer requests if that's uh, if you'd like to do that. And we will pray over those. Uh, we distribute those to our elders, and they uh, pray over those throughout the week. And so we're very happy to do that with you. You can uh, either put those into the offering when it comes by, or you can take it to the back. I, I would recommend taking it to the back, because if you do, you get a gift. If you just put it in the offering, I don't know if you get anything or not. But, uh, so anyway, uh, talk to Pastor Russ over here. He'll be standing at our information desk and and uh, to, and be happy to greet you. I'm going to read from the Bible this morning. Actually, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, a little change. We don't normally do that here, but I'm going to do it this morning. I'm going to read from Psalm 73, and I'd like you to stand with me as we read from God's Word. This is a, a passage of Scripture that while I was sitting in Sunday school this morning... Uh, in our adult class, I just felt the strongest impression that we're supposed to read from this passage this morning. And so it's obvious when that happens, there's somebody in the place that really needs to hear what God says very, very specifically. And uh, I want to read from this passage, Psalm 73. I'm going to begin in verse 1, which simply says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I came close to the edge of the cliff. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong and they are not troubled like other people. They are not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and their clothing is woven of cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish. They scoff and they speak evil, and in pride they seek to crush others. They boast about the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the land. And so the people are dismayed and confused and drinking in their words. Does God realize what's going on? They ask, is the most high God even aware of what, ha- what is happening? Look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then I'm going to jump down a few verses to verse number 17, which simply says, then one day I went into the sanctuary of God. And I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path, You send them sliding over the cliff to their destruction, and in an instant they are destroyed and they are swept away by terror. And then skipping down just a little bit further, I realized how bitter I had become, how pained I had been by all I had seen and so foolish and ignorant. I must seem like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. Here's some good news right here. I still belong to you. And you're holding my right hand. You keep on guiding me with your counsel. You lead me uh, to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Isn't that a good word? I tell you what, we've all been there, haven't we? We've looked around us and said, you know, Lord, I'm trying my best to live a quality Christian life. And yet I see some of these people that don't even love you and they don't care about you and things seem to be going so smooth in their life. And then God says, one day I went to church. And while I was at church, you began to show me some things about these people and you showed me some things about my life too. That's why we're in church this morning, isn't it? So let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be in church this morning, for allowing us to be in the house of the Lord, to, to not only just, uh, just show up for an hour, but to, Father, we've come here for a whole different purpose. We want to hear from you today. We, we truly desire that you would speak into our lives, that you would bring encouragement, into our heart, into our spirit. Father, I thank you today that there is hope in this room. This room is filled with healing. This room is filled with encouragement. This room is filled with the presence of God. This room is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to talk to people, to speak into their lives, to open their hearts unto you. Father, I pray that you'll do all of the things that it is impossible for a human being to do. Father, I pray that you'll bless people. Lord, we want to lift up people to you that right now that are standing, we need to stand with them in prayer. We pray for them. We pray for people that are in hospitals. We pray for people in in care centers and are homebound because of infirmity or sickness. Father, we pray for people that have come out to church today and yet there is a heaviness in their heart and a burden upon their life. I'm praying today in the name of Jesus, lift that burden, lift that heavy heart. And Father, I, praise, I pray that you'll call, cause praise to enter into our lives and strengthen and rejuvenate and, and, uh, and Father, give us victory over an enemy that wants to defeat us. And so, Father, today we thank you in the name of Jesus. We're glad, again, we're in the house of the Lord today. This is your place. You are here, and we're glad that we can be here. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Jonah and I have known Doug and uh, Doug Corbett for a number of years, uh, over three decades. And uh, it's been a privilege to watch his ministry to see what God has done in his life in many er areas. Doug is an overcomer, he is a conqueror. Uh, The reason he doesn't have any hair on his head is not because of male pattern baldness. It is uh, because the enemy, the enemy brought cancer into his life. I think while you were in Sierra Leone, before that even. And um, Doug won that victory he didn't win it, but God did. Worked powerfully in his life. I remember in your apartment in Springfield, I saw you that night, and I thought, oh, my word, this guy's in trouble. And um, uh, just all kinds of things that was happening. God brings victory into our lives, folks. And uh, Doug is a living example of that. Would you welcome Doug Corbett? <laughs>
1: I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. I love the Lord. I've had a very good life. Um, I'm a 34-year cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 1985 with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage four, it was in my bone marrow. I was given six months to live um, by a doctor who was practicing medicine. And uh, you know, most of them do practice medicine. That's uh, what they say. But there's another doctor called the Great Physician, he doesn't practice medicine, he is precise. And um, through the prayers of many thousands of people, and through the the care of many uh, skilled physicians, I'm standing here this morning after 34 years, supposed to be dead after six months. I've had a very wonderful life. The Lord apparently isn't finished with me yet because he missed a few good opportunities to take me home and he didn't do it. Uh, I am a a missionary that works with medical missions, primarily. Uh, In our 34 years of mission work, we spent 22 years in Africa, in Sierra Leone and in South Africa. I came home in 2006, um, went to work with Convoy of Hope on the international side, made trips overseas to uh, seven countries on five continents in 2007. Uh, but I had some physical problems, and long story short, I had—I uh, uh, went through 14 months of 14 surgeries, had my scalp reconstructed from radiation damage that I had experienced 25 years before. That's why I don't grow hair, uh, at least on my head. And um, they took flesh from both uh, flanks and reconstructed my scalp. So now, whenever my uh, my leg itches, I got to scratch it up here. <clears throat> But I'm still kicking, I'm still alive, and I love Jesus, and He, I, I believe, really loves me because He's keeping me alive and helping me to do things like go to Brazil and see 200 people come to know the Lord still. Healthcare Ministries is 30, uh, started in 1985, and we're about 37 years old. Since those days, we've had um, about uh, 500 uh, teams that have gone out around the world to... Um, minister to people that, are, uh, that have very, no or very little access to medical uh, facilities. We've had um, about 6,000 team members on those teams. We've been in 92 different countries. This was my fourth trip to Brazil. Uh, and we've treated al- almost a half a million patients. But the most wonderful thing is we've seen almost 100,000 people in those years give their heart to the Lord through compassion ministry. You know, there are a lot of places that uh, you can't talk about Jesus in this world because he is not the most popular thing to talk about. But when you show somebody a little bit of compassion and you show them that, that there's a God that cares for them, sometimes the window of opportunity will open and you can jump in that window with all of your being and tell people about the God that loves them so much that he sent his only son to die for them. Now, I'm a missionary, and I'm going to preach a missionary message to you this morning. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16, and I'm going to begin reading at verse um, 9. And here's what the Bible says. Now, when Jesus was uh, risen early, uh, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, and she went and told them uh, that he had that um, told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared uh, to uh, in another form unto two of them, and they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue; neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they said it meet, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now here's the, the focus of my message to you this morning. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I want to focus on verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, Christianity is very broad, but it's also very narrow. It's broad in the, in the respect that it puts its arms around the entire world regardless of race, color, or creed. But it's very narrow because it confines itself to the very clear teachings of Jesus Christ that all men and all women need to be reconciled to God and redeemed by a holy and righteous God. So it's broad and yet it's narrow because there's only one way to find God and that's through Jesus Christ. Christianity is unique among all the other movements in human history. In its truest form, Christianity has no axe to grind and no profit to make monetarily. Its job is simply to seek and to save that which is lost. Nothing more and nothing less. Jesus himself was the first missionary. He did not passively um, sit passively by and let those who just happen to be interested in his teachings come to him. No, he went out where the sick and the suffering and the sad were, and he preached his message of healing and joy and hope and salvation. And even at the very tender age of twelve, he we read that the Lord invaded the Jewish temple and taught the doctors and the lawyers of his day, who were steeped in a tradition of ritual. He found his way to the seaside, and he changed the lives of some of the fishermen. Wherever he went, he challenged, and he uprooted, and he changed men and women. And eventually, people nailed the Lord to a cross because they saw that he would upset their selfish and secure and smug way of life. Not only was uh, Jesus a missionary, but he also also commanded his followers to be missionaries, too. He said to uh, Simon and Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The word apostle and the word missionary mean the very same thing. It means someone who is sent. The word apostle comes from the Greek. The word missionary comes from the Latin. And the whole New Testament is a book about missions and missionaries. The Gospels tell of Jesus as missionary accomplishments, and the book of Acts tells of the missionary ventures of the apostles. But the central and the most important event in the New Testament is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even more vital than his crucifixion. For if Christ was not resurrected, then his death was in vain. And I'm glad that he, he rose from the dead and rejuvenates us in our spirit to go forth for him. While Jesus lived and breathed as a human being, his earthly ministry was to the house of Israel, the Jews. But the resurrection of Christ changed everything and expanded his ministry around the world. It was the power of the resurrection that launched the disciples out into the world and made a great impact on on this whole world. Peter went to Lydda and Joppa and Antioch and Babylon and Asia Minor. John, the apostle, went to Samaria and to Ephesus and the cities on the Mediterranean Sea. Historians tell us that the apostle Thomas went as far as the land of India with the gospel and Paul, the great missionary for God, used the roads that Rome built and took the gospel throughout the mighty Roman Empire. The need for missions and missionaries has never been greater than it is today. We live in a world of of conflict. We live in a world of confusion. We live in a world of contention, a world of very complex problems today, and they're getting worse all the time, it seems. But more important than this, we live in a world of great spiritual need. The very last words of the ascending Lord are still as binding now as they were then. These were Jesus' last words to this world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Where this is being done effectively, the light of God's love is shining upon darkened hearts and minds. I want us to consider very briefly this morning four points that Jesus stressed in order to have an effective missionary thrust first of all the command second of all the people third of all the object of that command and fourth of all the method first of all notice the command that Jesus gave to us of all the commandments that, that Jesus gave you and me in this little is this little two letter, letter word that's probably the most powerful he said go whether you're a pastor or a missionary, or a layman, a layperson, you cannot afford to sit idly by and watch humanity go by without God, without hope, and without the gospel. If you really love Jesus, if you're really committed to the, to the cause of Christ, you can't be a spectator. You must be a participator. We're all to step into line now. We're all to stand in the gap, and we're all to go and obey the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The world that we live in right now is at a very crucial point. The world is confused. The world needs the love of God. The world needs the peace of God. In John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. James Comer was a uh, missionary to New Guinea. He was later martyred, but before that he once said, I have never yet met a man or a woman or a people which any system has civilized without Christianity. There were cannibals in, uh, in the mission field where he served in the South Seas. James went on to say, wherever there's been the slightest spark of civilized life in the South Seas, it's been because the gospel has been preached there, and wherever you find in the islands of New Guinea a friendly people or a people that will welcome you, there the missionaries of the cross have been preaching Jesus Christ. we got to get away from the foolishness, friends, that so many people teach today that it doesn't matter what you believe. That we're all going to the same place and that one religion is just as good as another, just so as long, just so as, long as you're sincere. we got to get away from that. That's not the gospel that I read in the Word of God. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And this world is, is, is today we talk a lot about tolerance, but it seems that intolerance is, only, is the only thing that America today does not tolerate. Doesn't matter. It does matter what you believe. We're not all going to the same place. If we are, then we might as well get rid of the New Testament, put it in the trash, and turn the clock back to the Dark Ages. Jesus said, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He spoke these words with a tremendous sense of urgency and importance. And my friends, we, got, we must live for the truth that he died for. We must carry out his commission. Second of all, I want you to notice the people to whom the command was given. Jesus said, go ye. He said to them, go ye. Who is under orders to carry the gospel to the ends of the world? Every single disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is to go. That includes you and me. You know, you're a missionary. God has ordained you and called you to be a missionary to your circle of influence. There are people that you can reach that I'll never be able to reach because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a stranger around here. I don't know those people. But you live with them. You work with them. You shop with them. You have a circle of influence that God is expecting to hold you uh, uh, responsible for that you must follow the great command, commission of Christ. Every single disciple, and that includes you and me, throughout the years of time, the church of Christ has nourished, uh, has flourished in direct proportion to its interest in missions. Let me say that again. The church flourishes in proportion to its interest in missions. And whenever the church became, uh, becomes mission-minded, it begins to grow and revival comes. But whenever it would ignore missions, it began to stagnate and to die. I remember a pastor saying to me, well, my church is just not very mission-minded. The great missionary William Carey once said, "And get this: William Carey from New, from England once said that he went to the land of India as a missionary to save England, his homeland, from spiritual collapse." Now I to give you. Um, I want you to try a little experiment with me. If a person inhales and never exhales. He's gonna die and he's gonna die very quickly. Take a deep breath, everybody. Just take a deep breath and hold it for about 15 minutes. (laughs) You can't do it, can you? You can breathe in and breathe in and breathe in, but eventually you gotta let it out. And the same thing is true of the church. If the church becomes self-centered and selfish and loses its desire to share the gospel with other people, it will wither away and die and it won't take very long either. Missions gives the church a chance to excel, to exhale, to get it out, to, to be a blessing, make a difference in somebody else's life. There's a new awakening in the church with regard to missions. Many churches are beginning to rethink and readjust their missionary programs and policies, and there's a direct connection between evangelism at home and missionary work abroad, a direct focus on balance. In fact, it's very difficult to tell sometimes where one leaves off and the other begins. You take the mighty continent of Africa, for instance. I spent 22 years in Africa. There are great and conflicting forces at work on the continent of Africa. Winston Churchill once said, whoever controls Africa will control the entire world. And since the days of the great missionary David Livingston, the gospel has been spreading throughout Africa by leaps and bounds. But the martyr and the casualty rate has never been higher in any other field than it is in Africa. The gospel has crossed the rivers and mountains, the gospel has penetrated the jungles until tribe after tribe after tribe has come under the influence of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And yet there are still millions and millions and millions, even in the areas where the missionary work has been the most successful, who need to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In these days of financial concerns and worries, the temptation is always to cut back on outside ventures first, to begin to let missionary giving slip. It's harder to raise money for missions abroad than it is to raise funds for a huge evangelistic campaign here in the U.S. In countries of the world where people like uh, Franklin Graham go, they can't take offerings in those crusades overseas because most of the people don't have two nickels to rub together. And so they depend on the generosity of those who do have the funds, who do have the, the ability to help them. And still in, in America, the media negatively focuses on the evangelist or the ministry who makes pleas for money, when even for missionary work, when if anybody has money in this world, Americans do. If this world is going to be won by Christ, America will have to do its part. If the people of America lose their vision for missions, missions will be lost to Christ and to the free world, and who do you think will be held accountable? Third of all, I want you to notice the object of Christ's command. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. In the NIV it says, to all creation. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. John 8.12 says, I am the light of the world. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world. The world was close to the heart of Jesus. It was always on his mind. It was constantly in his plans. And there can be no doubt about it. His objective was to saturate the entire world with the gospel. Dr. William Culbertson has said, The battle for the evangelization of the world is being lost despite the use of modern means of communication, better techniques, and easier travel. In spite of the bravery and the sacrifice and the isolated victories of committed Christian missionaries, the battle is still being lost. And why is the battle being lost? One of the reasons is because of the rapid expanding population growth in this world, which is exploding at a rate of, of tens of millions more people added to the roles over the years. In 1995, there was almost six million people living on planet Earth. By the year 2008, it was six and a half billion. By last, the, the end of last December, the population of planet Earth was 7.8 billion people, and they estimate by the year 2100, we'll have 11.8 billion people living on the, uh, living on the Earth. That means every day about 360,000 people are born and about 150,000 people die. 360 born, 150 die. That's a net gain in this world's population of 45 people every minute, uh, 210,000 people every day, 7 million people every month, and 83 million more people every year added to the population of the earth. Next Sunday, there's going to be about, about 1.5 million more people populating planet Earth than there is this Sunday. And the task is great, and the workers are few, and we cannot sit on our laurels and talk about victories of the past. We must go forward even now and, 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 and hasten the coming of the Lord by preaching the gospel to the whole world. Fourth and finally this morning, notice the method that Jesus told us to use. He said, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The primary task of any representative of Christ is to preach the gospel. Everything else is secondary. You know... Some of us think, I can't preach. You preach every day. You preach the gospel with your words. You preach the gospel with your dollars. You preach the gospel with your lifestyle. Jesus said, preach the gospel, and we must preach it. The goal of, of uh, health care ministries, the goal of Compassion Link is always redemption. Let me tell you something. We could, if, I could, if I could clothe everybody, every naked person in this world, if I could feed every hungry child and every hungry person in this world, if I could house every homeless person in this world, if I had the ability to do that, if I could educate every ignorant mind in this world, and I never told them about Jesus, all I would generate are well-fed, well-housed, well-clothed, well-educated sinners. Without redemption, we spin our wheels. Without redemption, we are wasting our time. We're wasting God's time. It must be about redemption. So we need to go into whatever world we're called to and preach the gospel. Preach it to the checkout lady at the the supermarket. You don't have to verbally say anything. Just let her see your lifestyle. Let her see something that's different about you. Let her know that you're interested in making a difference in your life, in their life. My wife, Robin, is a good one at hugging people. We went to Brazil. She's the one that did the video uh, for me. We went to Brazil, she was really nervous. It was her first trip ever. And in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. She's one fourth Portuguese, but she doesn't speak Portuguese. But she knows how to hug in Portuguese. And somehow they communicated, and she would say, you need a hug? She would hug them, and they would smile. And she was preaching the gospel in her only way that she knew how to preach it. I got to stand in the pulpit, preach five nights in four churches, and I got to proclaim it from the pulpit. But it's more effective because she showed them that she really loved them. And you can do the same wherever you are. That neighbor who hasn't been in church for years, that neighbor who's very um, has been hurt in, 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 by somebody in the church. You can preach it. You can show compassion to them. You can let them know that that Jesus loves them. No one is exempt from the Great Commission. And no one is unimportant to Christ. The world around you is your parish. And you are responsible for it. You may live in the finest part of the country, the best neighborhood in the city, but there still are lonely and heavy-hearted and lost people just waiting to hear the good news of salvation within a stone's throw. Of, the, of your home. So take the gospel to your world. Pastor Dennis last night talked about the county of Humboldt and that 83% of the people in Humboldt County aren't church. They don't go to church anywhere. Can you imagine 83%? People that need to see a little compassion, need to see a little bit of love, a little, little bit of concern for them. The primary task of any representative of Christ is to preach the gospel. Everything else is secondary. You know, missionaries sometimes have to be many things. In my years of mission work, I was the president of a Bible school. I was the district representative in, uh, in uh, Zululand in South Africa. We, pu- we put up 600 temporary uh, tabernacle structures over those years. I've worked with Convoy of Hope. I've had to do a lot of things. Sometimes missionaries have to pull teeth, and they have never done that before. Sometimes we give glasses out, and i would never done that before. Missionaries have to be many things, doctors, farmers, counselors, technicians, mechanics, even pilots. But always the task is preaching the gospel. There's no substitute for that. We can give people skills. We can give them know-how. We can give them tools. But if we fail to give them the good news of salvation, we've left them without God and without hope. And we have withheld the most precious gift that God has given to man, and that's eternal life many people want to talk about different questions in this day and age but there's only one question that matters and that is the gospel what about Christ and this can and will correct everything that needs to be correcting what about you what about you this morning you may have a good house but do you have a home you have a you may have a full wardrobe but what about your heart you may think you have security but what about your eternal soul. One of the wonderful things about about the Lord is that he looked on the multitude and he had compassion on them. We have a multitude in this world that we need to look on with compassion. I want to pray with you this morning, and then I'm going to turn the service back to Pastor Dennis. And by the way, let me say this. I've known Dennis for, what do you say, Dennis? 30 decades? I mean, three decades? Yeah. I grew up in the little town of New Sharon in Iowa, and in that little church we had many, many pastors. Some of them were great preachers and lousy pastors. Some some of them were good pastors and lousy preachers. And if I had to choose, I would always take a pastor over a preacher. I tell you what, you folks are blessed because you have both. You have a good pastor and you have a great preacher, and you need to thank God for that, and you need to help him to win this community, win this county, and go out into all the world. It's all about redemption. I want to pray for you. Father, in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus, I thank you for these wonderful people here. They're doing the work of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'll continue in their hearts and lives. Infuse them, Lord, with your Spirit. Give them a fresh anointing on their lives. And may Jesus be seen in them. May they be a reflection of the Lord. When people look at them, may they see Jesus and may they know that that they really genuinely care for them draw those folks lord that that have no church no place to go no no um, no hope for eternity draw them lord and and bring them into the into the um, ark of salvation we pray and we're careful to thank you and give you praise in Jesus name amen